fundraising across nonprofit subsectors. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the fundraising school, and I'm joined today by my colleague, Dr. Anna Pruitt. Anna is an associate director of the research team at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy, in which resides the fundraising school. And one of Anna's primary responsibilities is leading our school's remarkable effort each year to publish the Giving USA study. And it's from that expertise that Anna has authored chapter eight of the fifth edition of Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, the comprehensive textbook published by our school on fundraising effectiveness. And Anna, great to have you back with us on the Fundraising Schools podcast. It's great to be here. I love joining you for these podcasts. Well, and we love having you, Anna. And for our audience who maybe are not quite fully familiar, what is Giving USA? Giving USA is the longest running and most trusted annual report about charitable giving in the United States. We present 40 years of trends on giving on philanthropy for the four main sources of giving and the nine major categories of uh, nonprofit organizations that receive those charitable gifts. And as you mentioned, the study looks not just at a comprehensive totals of charitable giving and the sources of that giving, but the destinations of that giving, nine subsectors within the philanthropic sector, why is that important to see not just the aggregate totals, but also the totals for each of these nine subsectors? It's incredibly important for a couple of different reasons. I'd say the first primary most important reason is that it helps create a benchmark for organizations of various kinds. And what I mean by that is that when we're looking at giving to arts or giving to education every single year, we're able to see uh, different patterns emerge. So for both arts and education, we know that giving in those areas is linked to stock market performance. If you're only looking at um, a a variety of different organizations, you may not be able to pull those threads. It's when we are able to kind of break these categories apart that we can actually get that benchmark. And then I would say there's uh, two additional reasons. The uh, second reason is that these different categories of giving are incredibly unique and specialized. And I think that one of the things that the fundraising school does so well is provide information that's very general, but also provide some of these more detailed um, areas of expertise. And one of the things that we see is that there are different kinds of supporters, people who are very, very passionate about giving to environment and animals. may have a different profile than folks who are giving primarily to, you know, different kinds of organizations like health. Um, And finally, the constituents. So not only who is giving to these areas, but who's invested, who are the stakeholders and the volunteers and the kinds of organizations and people that uh, want to be involved in this area. Those things are really different for each different category, and it, it it bears further study. So I was very pleased to be able to dive into that for this uh, new book. Chapter 8, Fundraising Across Nonprofit Subsectors. Dr. Pruitt goes into extensive detail in each of those nine subsectors, and we're not going to do that in this brief podcast conversation. You need to make sure that you see the chapter, but just kind of at that macro level, Anna, how can fundraisers and nonprofit organizations you know, see themselves in the subsector data from one year to the next? How can they use this for their fundraising planning or their fundraising assessment? How can these data help nonprofit organizations fundraise effectively? 
Well, I think this is one of the real benefits is that you can kind of see what happened with my organization last year and how does that compare with what we're seeing more broadly? And if I my organization saw a decline, but overall, I know that giving to that area increased, then what's going on at my organization that might help to explain those things? So I think that's, that's definitely part of it. Um, additionally, and one of the things that I worked to provide in the chapter, uh, there are different issues to consider for each of these areas of giving. So we know that giving doesn't happen in a vacuum, right? There are all kinds of different things happening in the landscape from new tools and technologies that can help change giving in a, in a particular area um, to you know, new legislation and, and changes uh, to the, the legal um, background of a particular uh, area that may have an impact overall. So there's really um, some specificity there within those different chapters and within those different areas that I think can be very helpful to fundraisers. Um, and I, you know, one of the things that's also true is that while we've had a highly unusual 2020, one of the things I was so pleased to, to find as I was rereading this chapter is that so much of this information and so many of the issues that are there to consider are, are evergreen and are things that are, are still extremely relevant and will be relevant in the future. That is such an important point to make maximum use of this chapter of Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, the fifth edition, is that the Giving USA report comes out every summer in the, in the month of June. Uh, and we not only see the individual year reports, but then we can look at trends over time. As Anna just mentioned, this chapter is written in an evergreen way, meaning it lasts for a very long time, not just from one year to the next, but over several years. And Anna, can you give us some examples, maybe within those subsectors of, you know, just some of those trends, some of those characteristics that, again, as people look at the individual data from one year to the next, this chapter helps to maybe put those subsectors in context over a longer time period. Absolutely. So, you know, as, as mentioned, we all know that 2020 was a very disruptive year, but some of the things that have remained the same are, for instance, that giving to religion remains by far the largest category of giving and um, at about 28%. And it also uh, receives most of its funding. Uh, most of the total giving is coming from individuals. Around 81% of total giving to religion is coming from individual donors. And so I think that that is one of those things that, that even though many different things have changed, including how giving to religion happens, and when it happens, um, who's giving and sort of the overall scope of this area have not changed. And in fact, some of the issues that came up during the pandemic are things like online giving. That's a trend that had started to emerge in giving to religion as an area. And we saw that just really explode over the pandemic. So that's a topic that you know we already knew we needed to consider. It just became emphasized in the past couple of years. Similarly, in giving to education, we see that high net worth donors um, have long favored this cause. So about a quarter of all high net worth households give to higher education and a little under a quarter give to K through 12 organizations. Um, as we have a lot of data, so we know that this is a popular cause. It has been for a long time. And we see that growing over time with, for instance, um, grants from donor advised funds. We know that by far the education is receiving by far the largest share of total dollars from donor advised fund grants. So some of those issues, um, which have been true for a long time, continue to be true in the future, and in fact have been emphasized in the past couple of years. 
to the point where now donor advised funds are comprising such a large share of giving to education that other uh, areas of the field, such as cases, voluntary supportive education survey is actually including donor advised funds as one of the sources of giving to education. So that's a long-term issue and we see it manifesting in these different ways over time. And that's the power of giving USA overall, in addition to looking at the data by subsector. Uh, and Anna, again, just to use one data point from a particular year to help tell the broader story, uh, when we look by subsector that we would have missed had we only looked at the aggregate total. 2020, the launch of the COVID-19 worldwide health pandemic, and people would think, okay, giving to health must have just soared and increased significantly. And it was one only two subsectors that went backwards. There was actually less giving to health in 2020, despite the pandemic. We would not have known that had we not taken a look at subsector giving and comparing from one year to the next. Absolutely. And we also wouldn't know some of the things that we, we know um, about recession giving, for instance. So human services is an area where giving has gone up at times of great need, even if people are, are really struggling financially. And that's something that we see repeatedly over time. Um, and again, to bring up giving religion, giving to religion, this is an area where we don't see giving go all the way backward just because it's, it's a tough year economically. This is a, an area where we see kind of slow and steady growth over time. And when we are separate out the categories like this, we're able to track some of those things. And that tells us about donor priorities, what they care about, and what they're willing to prioritize even when times are tough. The fifth edition of Achieving Excellence in Fundraising has 39 chapters. Each author was assigned uh, the topic of making sure your chapter uh, addresses racial and social equity, justice, reconciliation. Uh, Anna, how does chapter eight address that most important social challenge and social topic? One of the things that's so interesting about thinking about charitable giving in terms of these different sectors is that you see how important and widespread giving to racial and social justice is, because there are organizations um, that focus on racial and social justice that fall under each and every single one of these categories. So it really isn't a situation where you can say, oh, it's only arts organizations that received funds or only you know health organizations or human services. It's really across the board. Um, and I think it also really reminds us of the strength of the nonprofit sector that we see these amazing organizations pop up and manifest in all of these different ways that have to do with how people want to respond to this enormous call to action. Dr. Anna Pruitt is the Associate Director in our research team at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy. You can see from her expertise and enthusiasm how she can help us apply the findings of Giving USA from one year to the next and gain a bigger picture macro understanding of using these data for our fundraising planning and fundraising assessment. And that lesson is taught again in chapter eight of Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, the fifth edition, that chapter fundraising across nonprofit subsectors. You can learn more about the textbook on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu. Now, if you go across the top toolbar and find the word research, that is where you're going to find the free executive summary of Giving USA each and every year, and where you can also purchase additional information about Giving USA. Come back on the toolbar to professional development. That's where you find the fundraising school. We have more than 20 public courses. They're being taught in person 
also being taught online, either recorded, so-called asynchronous, or live, so-called synchronous, accessible anywhere in the United States and around the world, as is our custom training for your nonprofit, your association, your region, your country, anywhere in the world, we can bring the fundraising school straight to you. We have our quarterly webinars and these free podcasts. Again, the website, philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school for the fundraising school or the research tab to find Giving USA and other research from our school. Our producers today are Mike Anthony and Jennifer Boffman. I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and you are now more fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school. Mm-hmm.